0: Welcome back to another Two Guys, One Topic expert interview. This week, everybody knows that we have looked into the topic
1: of sleep. That is correct. So we needed to find ourselves an expert, didn't we? Who knew all about sleep. And we have managed to find exactly that. So the guy we are interviewing today has been one is one of the world's leading sleep experts, having studied it for nearly 40 years. He's the author of the Amazon best selling book, How to Sleep Well. And it is Dr. Neil Stanley. Neil, thank you very much for joining us on the Two Guys, One Topic podcast.
2: It's a great pleasure. Thank you.
1: So, this week, as our listeners will know, we've been learning all about sleep. And we thought that if we could get an expert to maybe answer some of our outstanding questions, that would uh, help us, I guess. And you are that expert. Indeed I am. (laughs) So fire away. Yeah. So, well, first question, I guess, is you've studied sleep for approaching 40 years. Yep. And I guess, first of all, what, what made you pursue sort of that line of research? Like, how did you get involved with
2: sleep? Oh, it was a complete accident um i was went to a bog standard uh, secondary school uh was one of the more intelligent people at the bog standard secondary school <laughs> um Went to sixth form at at 16, wanting to go on to university and study chemistry. That's what my dream of doing. I hated at 16 being taught like I was a child. I thought I was an adult, but they were still teaching me as a child. So essentially, after one week of that, I applied for the first scientific job that I could find, (laughs) uh, which was at the Institute of Aviation Medicine in Farnborough, Hampshire, which is a Royal Air Force station which back in the early 80s was looking at things like uh, you know, altitude, psychology. But one of the things it had was a sleep laboratory, uh, because back in the early 80s, you know, the Royal Air Force was still flying to you know, places like Hong Kong, Singapore. And a few months after I started work there, of course, the Falkland Islands War started. And so pilots were flying long duration and th- that was it. So as a boy of 16 and a half, uh, I got a job, and that's it. Forty oh, wow. years wow. late to all I've ever done is watch other people fall asleep. Uh-huh. Um, which, when you say it out loud, sounds a bit weird. But um... <laughs> no, that's good. That
1: so, so I actually teach sixteen-year-olds as my job. So, right. so, if any of them are listening to this, you know, if they want to stop learning maths, I guess they, there are things they can go and do.
2: Well, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I say, I, I have a PhD, but that's on the basis of my published works. Uh, I don't have a first degree. Um, I, and as I say, I, I, I left school at 16 with, what, six O-levels, I think, at that point. Um, and it, it, it's just been the case of I've done the job. I've been there, sent it, done it, got yeah. the T-shirt. So if you, you know, and I was very lucky because that type of research is no longer done anymore. You know, it's now multi-million-pound research grants rather than just on an on an afternoon thing. Oh, I wonder what happens if you sit in ice cold water for two hours? Well, you get pretty cold, um, and there was no ethics and there's no uh, uh, informed consent. It was just all oh, let's just do it, let's see what you can do. So, oh, wow. unfortunately, you know, the, the, those halcyon days are perhaps gone. Unfortunately. <laughs>
0: So we, as, as Liam said, we, we think you're, you're the best person for us to be talking to. And this week, we've come across a number of different theories around why we sleep. And there doesn't seem to be a consensus that there's actually one particular reason. There seems to be a number of theories that sort of join together. Just wondered, from your perspective, is there, is there one that stands out for you as being maybe the one that you think explains it better than others?
2: Uh, no there isn't uh, and you're quite right we really don't have a grasp on this sleep uh, and the thing is the more research we do the more complex it becomes usually in a in, in a in a topic the more research you do the easier you understand <laughs> yes. it but the, we're so. actually every week there's a new paper that you go oh right okay um how do we fit that into the model and the, the thing with sleep is it's a universal phenomenon. So basically, if it's got a brain, it sleeps. Mm. Uh, if it's a mammal, it sleeps pretty much the way we do, and our closest cousins, the chimps and gorillas, sleep almost identically to us. So whatever we postulate sleep to be in the human, we must also populate we must also think about a cow or a, 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 an insect. What are they doing? Why are they sleeping? You know, dreams make up, your dreaming sleep makes up 20% of the night. So you can have a theory about dreams in humans, about processing uh, emotions and planning for worst case scenarios. But what's a cow dreaming about? Yes. (laughs) What emotion is a cow having to deal with? You know, our deep sleep uh, is about memory, uh, learning new information. Um, what does a cow learn in its, in its ordinary days? So why does it need to have this sleep? So that's the problem with the, 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 uh, you know, I, I remember there was a book by a guy called Ray Medis, which was called the sleep instinct. Uh, I think it came out in the early eight, uh, middle of the seventies. And he, 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 he talked about all oh, sleep is like the downtime for a computer Well, Yes, in the olden days, you had to switch computers. Mm -hmm. I remember doing Excel calculations, which would take eight hours to do, which now would be done in a millisecond. So so his idea was we had to try and find some way of explaining sleep that would make sense to people. And the book is actually very good. Um, but, but basically as I say, we, we, we have some ideas I'm, you know, I mentioned about the, uh, you know, memory and learning. We have some ideas what happens in sleep, but we don't know why we have to sleep for about eight hours a night that yes. bit we don't know. And after a million years of evolution that persists, if there was an easy way, you know, if people say, Oh, you can hack sleep, you can get the benefit of eight hours sleep in four hours. You can't because okay. if that was possible, we'd have done it in the last million years because it's a very stupid thing to do. Yeah. To be you know, pretty much unconscious makes you vulnerable to attack um, or, or, or you know, from, from the village next door who hates you or some big furry thing with big teeth. <laughs> Why would you do that if you yes. didn't have to yeah. or if there was a way of shortchanging it? And that's the bit. In our modern world, where we've got houses and windows and comfy beds, why can't we do it differently? And it won't ever change. And that's the mystery. Why we do it in the way we do it. Yeah,
0: and that's a that's a really interesting point you make about then trying to apply those theories across everything else that sleeps. Because I think Liam and I, we only thought about it from a human perspective, didn't we? Um, yeah, it, it wasn't something that we that we really considered from an animal world
1: yeah so is is it so if you come up with sort of a scientist or or somebody comes up with a new theory about sleep does that theory not hold
2: water until it also works with a cow is that the problem is you know we know little enough about sleep in the human because you know by measuring sleep you are by definition modifying sleep you know um There's a whole thing about, you know, doing fMRI now, you know, functional magnetic resonance imaging. Well, in the past, the problem was that would require electrodes on the head, which were made of metal. That would be a problem in a massive magnet. So now we've got around from that technical problem. But I don't know if you've ever been in an fMRI. It's like being in a hot, sweaty coffin. (laughs) yeah so the fact that you can sleep in that doesn't mean it's the same sort of sleep you get in your bedroom at home yes yep what do we know about dreams we only know about dreams if you wake up somebody in the middle of the night and say what were you dreaming about well by definition you've called that dream into being by waking them up so we know you know we don't really know what humans dream about yes there's no way you can ask a cow or a duck <laughs> your platypus because they're not going to give you an intelligent art and that's yeah. the problem. you know you, you if you've got a, if you've got a pet dog or a pet cat, you'll see when they're sleeping they, they twitch yes um, because they are we believe thinking about running after a rabbit or a mouse. but that's us implying what mm-hmm. they're doing. Yes. Who knows what my cat is dreaming about when it's running, and so this is the problem. Sleep is probably the biggest mystery that we still have. We we really, you know, we know more about the bottom of the ocean than we do about sleep. Um, And say it gets more complex every time somebody publishes a new paper. Yes,
1: I I actually did fall asleep in an MRI. I had to get you get yeah earphones, don't you? They actually woke me up. It was so, yeah. cool. it just keeps making that noise and it just put me to sleep. That circling, banging noise, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just constantly. I was out. Um, we, Ollie mentioned it a minute ago, we tried quite hard to explain what the circadian rhythm is, this 24-hour body clock that, that we have. Is it? Is that something you could, you could explain
2: more simply yeah. than we did? Well, very simply, we have two processes that control our sleep. <coughs> excuse me what is our homeostatic drive for sleep and that's just a very clever way of saying time on task the longer you're awake the more sleepy you become so after about 16 to 18 hours you will become sleepy and then we have the circadian rhythm which is the body clock um, and this is circa diem just means around a day approximately 24 hours and the this is a we it lodges in a part of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nuclei, which basically works as the master clock. It sets everything to the right time. And it runs at approximately 24 hours and 17 minutes. So there's some flexibility. There has to be flexibility in this Cajun rhythm, because the days get longer and shorter. Okay. And we've got to be able to cope with that. So there's some flexibility. Um and this governs our individual um areas of alertness and sleepiness. So some of us, like myself, are a very morning person, uh, and past nine o'clock I'm useless. Other people stay awake till one, two o'clock and find it massively difficult to get up to be at work for nine o'clock. We also have our post-lunch dip, some people, you know. Really, dip at the post-lunch dip. Others don't notice. it So this is our circadian rhythm, and our circadian rhythm is set by light. Mm-hmm. Okay. Daylight is the Zeitgeber. Now, I have no idea why we use the German word, but Zeitgeber means time giver. So, getting up in the morning, seeing the sunlight says to your body, it's daytime, be awake. And when the sun goes away, nighttime, dark. That signals to the suprachiasmatic nuclei, right, it's dark. And the SCN talks to the pineal gland, which is a little pea-sized thing right in the root of the brain, and it's the pineal gland that releases melatonin. Now, all of your listeners will have heard of melatonin. The thing is, people think that it's the sleep hormone. It isn't. It is merely a time signal. Melatonin is released about two hours after it gets dark and it rushes around the body and the brain saying, it's time for bed. And so all the systems start winding down and after it's about an hour to two hours after you've released melatonin that you'll start going sleepy. So that's the circadian rhythm. We reset it each day by the sunshine and as uh, say so, and the nighttime, and that just is what governs us and basically, as I said about a million years of evolution, we're designed to be awake during the day and asleep at night. It is as simple as that. brilliant thank you um
0: just out of interest, that super kinetic nuclei <laughs> <laughs> that you mentioned it uh, just rolls off the tongue as if I've been doing this for years. Um, is is any part of
2: that linked to the hypothalamus? No, well, I mean everything. I, mean, I think about things becoming more and more complex. Okay, uh, I was I was at a private meeting of uh, fifty eminent sleep experts and me, um, <laughs> and we we had two days just to talk completely off cuff about everything. And somebody produced a slide that had all of the brain regions all of the genes, all of the neurotransmitters and how they linked as best as we know. So there were 47 words on this paper and it looked like a child had just scribbled on it. It was just, (laughs) everything was linking to everything else. And this is what I'm saying. I mean, we now know from work done at the University of Surrey that there appears to be 925 genes that are in some way impacted by sleep. So this is what I'm saying. You can't, you can never ask the question, does A plus B equal C? No, it's never that easy, I (laughs) promise you. Um, And uh, that's the problem. Everything is connected to everything, which is why we now know why sleep is so all important. Right, because everything is impacted one way or another by sleep, and sleep impacts everything else.
0: No, interesting. And when you were saying about the circadian rhythm, then when you were mentioning that and about how we're governed by light, Liam and I were also reading
2: about how bad blue light is for you yeah that's that's you you, you're 20 years behind the game guys (laughs) (laughs) okay what happened was um when you did basic biology you'll know that in the eyes we have the rods and cones and they they form the image uh and that's what you know the eyes are primarily there for so we can see But about, well, in in 1927, somebody postulated that there was a a receptor in the eye that just responded to light and didn't form an an image. And about 20 years ago, uh, a group at Oxford discovered this thing that was postulated. And this receptor responds to blue light 460 to 480 nanometers Um, and of course sunlight or or daytime sky is blue Um, and so that blue light was shown to suppress that release of melatonin now when it goes dark we lose blue light that's why sunsets are red and orange Mm -hmm. because the blue's been stripped out yes so that darkness is the signal, as I say, to the suprachiasmatic nuclei, but it's actually absence of blue light is the thing. So this came up with the theory that blue light is bad for you. Um, Now, there's a number of things that challenge this. One is we now know that there are even more receptors in the eye than this blue one, um, and it seems to be any light is bad. Um... And people have different sensitivities. So some people will be disturbed merely by two candles in the bedroom. Other people will be disturbed by a light level, pretty much what you're sitting in now. Okay. Uh, so there's a 50 times difference in sensitivities in humans with light level. And we even know that Kindles, paper whites, uh, they disturb sleep just as well. So it's any light before bed is disturbing not blue light so okay. these things that strip out blue light blue light goggles absolute waste of money uh, absolutely pointless the only thing that you can do is turn your screen off okay that's all you and, can do and how how long before bed do you suggest? you don't want to know the answer to that the, no, answer really. is, the answer from a scientific point of view is two hours
0: wow okay wow
2: um now when i give advice to people about switching their screens off uh i'm never going to say two hours because they're not going to do it i say 40 minutes in the hope that they may do 20 (laughs) because anything's better than nothing Uh, but you know it's just the the thing is you know what i said earlier about you know you release that melatonin and it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to put you to sleep. Uh-huh. If you stop that release of melatonin uh, by light, then it will take you longer to fall asleep and you'll have worse sleep and you'll be more sleepy the next day.
1: Well, turns out we were wrong then. Ollie. Our research about blue light <laughs> yes. was behind the times. <laughs> 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 um, um, I, I wondered, uh, I guess maybe opinion on your part, I don't, I don't know unless there's evidence, is it better to have a longer broken
2: sleep like with kids or a shorter full sleep okay well I mean there's a there's a very great difference between the sleep of a child and the sleep of an adult Uh, newborns need to sleep for 16 to 20 hours a 10 year old needs around 10 hours sleep a teenager needs nine to nine and a half hours sleep now children until they're maybe six years old, don't get it. They just don't get the point of mm. I should be asleep <laughs> and mummy and daddy have to go to work tomorrow. They just have no idea for that. So a newborn will just literally sleep when and where it wants. Uh, and part of uh, parenting is to introduce that routine. Um, and you know, essentially you know, what your granny would have said in the past is you never wake up a sleeping child sleep for a child is the most important thing it can do it's about memory learning you only grow when you're asleep so sleep for a child is the most important thing you can do so if it's sleeping leave it yes now around about uh, seven eight years old we start moving to a completely nocturnal period of time uh but it takes us till about our early 20s before we fix our adult period of sleep so in your early 20s you will start pretty much sleeping what you are. And I say that can be, that's got, so duration and timing. So I say some people are evening people, mm-hmm. some people are morning people. So to be honest, the minute I switch off from you tonight, <laughs> I will be going to bed because I go to bed around 9, 9.30 and sleep. I may be a sad kid with no friends, but I'm also a sleep expert who <laughs> needs a lot of sleep. Um, <laughs> But I wake up naturally somewhere between sort of 5.30, 30, and I'm a morning person. So that's, so that's me. Uh, and I need nine and a half hours sleep. Now, you might say everybody needs eight hours sleep. Well, they don't. Uh, sleep need is individual, and it's genetically determined. So some people only need four hours sleep to feel great. Others need 11 hours sleep. You need to get what's right for you. So that starts ca- happening in the 20s. And then you really do need to think uh, that that's it. So I say, I'm a nine and a half hour night person. So I have to be in bed for at least nine and a half hours to get that sleep. So what you want is ideally to go to bed when you feel sleepy, to wake up naturally. And if you were to do that, you would sleep in one consolidated period yeah okay that's that's what you want now of course waking up to pee or waking up because of pain or something like that may disturb that but you shouldn't ordinarily be waking up more than maybe once or twice a night and those are being short wakenings you you know if you're awake for more than 20 minutes that's an issue it shouldn't be happening like that
0: okay and then if if you are then still tired is it all right to have a nap in the day
2: first of all there is a big difference between tired and sleepy okay okay tired is having a bit of a rubbish life tired is It's late evening and I'm still working. I didn't win the Euro Millions lottery last night, so I'm going to probably have to carry on talking to people like you for the rest of my life. Um, (laughs) You know, So tired is just having a bit of a rubbish day. Sleepy is the desire for sleep. And you might say, what's the difference between being tired and being sleepy? It's very, very simple. You walk up three flights of stairs. When you get to the top, do you need a sit down or do you need a sleep? If you need to yeah. sit down, you're tired, fatigued, knackered, exhausted. If you need to sleep, you are sleepy. So if you are sleepy during the day, which was the way you were meant to ask the question, uh, is napping. Yeah. I mean, if you're <laughs> sleepy during the day and nap is what your body wants, it doesn't want to be kept awake. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's like, if you're hungry, your body wants food. It doesn't want you to go, Oh no, I shall starve myself. No, it wants food. If you're sleepy, your body wants sleep. So you can drink coffee or functional energy drinks or whatever, but they take about 30 minutes to work. And then the benefits of them will only last for about 30 minutes. Whereas a nap, a 20 minute nap will boost your performance by about 20% for about three to four hours. So a 20 minute nap is ideal the power nap is absolutely fine. The question you should ask yourself, though, is why do you need to have a nap during the day? Yeah. If you've got a good enough sleep at night, you wouldn't need to nap during the day. So, so there's that you know, there's that double-edged sword there. Um, awesome. But as I say, the tip for napping is 20 minutes or two hours. 20 minutes to power nap because you don't go into your deep sleep, and uh, two hours because you go through your first period of deep sleep. Because if you wake up during your deep sleep, you know, when you have that nap and you wake up and you feel like you've been run over by a bus. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, that's because you've woken up in deep sleep and that's what you want to avoid doing. So a 20 minute nap. If you want the ultimate power nap, two cans of Red Bull before the nap. Nice. Because, You get the because, as I say, the caffeine takes 30 minutes to kick in. So you have the nap and you get the kick of the caffeine as well. And the reason for saying Red Bull is if I say it long enough, they'll sponsor me. But no, (laughs) uh, it's because coffee and tea are very bad delivery systems for caffeine. You don't know how much caffeine any cup of tea or coffee has, whereas with a functional energy drink, it's got a declared amount. So that's the ultimate power nap. Two cans of Red Bull and a 20 minute nap.
1: Nice. Just jot that down. My wife <laughs> swears by My wife swears by 20 minute naps. She's yeah, no,
2: I mean as I say, but some people can't do it. I mean, I can't, my brother can. My brother's one of these people who sees the sign on the motorway that says Titan's killed, take a break. He'll pull over, sleep for twenty minutes, and then go on. Yeah. I could pull over for twenty minutes, sit in the car thinking, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> and then just can't. <laughs> Switch off from, some people can just disengage from their environment. Other people are too, I like to think, too intelligent that we can't disengage.
0: (laughs) So the the reason why you're saying that 20 minutes or two hours is that linked to, we were reading about, that your sleep cycles are about 90 to
2: 120 minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, essentially what happens is uh, at night um, in a normal healthy adult, approximately 20 minutes after you've switched your light off, you should fall asleep. A healthy adult will fall asleep within 20 minutes. You'll then quickly go through your lighter stages of sleep, your stage one and stage two sleep, into that first period of deep sleep. And i say that's the part you really don't want to wake up in. So you'll have a period of deep sleep for somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. And then you'll have your first dreaming period, your first REM period. That may only be 10 minutes long. Then you go back into some more of that deep sleep. And then on a roughly, very roughly 90-minute cycle, you have REM periods. And in the latter part of the night, that's interspersed with lighter stage two sleep. So the first third of the night is when you have the majority of your deep restorative sleep. And that's when you can sleep through a thunderstorm, your house being burgled, Because deep sleep is deep. Um, The latter part of the night is more easily disturbable. So as I say, if you wake up in deep sleep, you feel rubbish because by definition, it is protected. So you shouldn't do that. So that's the point with napping. So in order to have a 20 minute nap, you need about a 30 to 40 minute sleep window to allow you to fall asleep. but of course if you are very very sleepy you're sleep deprived you'll go into deep sleep a lot quicker um and therefore it's it's a a bit more difficult to predict how long you should set your alarm for but you should certainly set an alarm okay Uh, and we know even if you don't fall asleep even just closing your eyes for 10 minutes is actually beneficial it's nowhere near as beneficial as having a nap um, but it, you know, even if you can't fall asleep, just zoning out for 10 minutes actually really does help.
1: Oh, nice. I find I do that when the kids are running around, just, just having some sort of zombie. absolutely
2: well, <laughs> is. you can relax if they're running around, you know that they're alive. Um, so <laughs> you, you don't have to watch them. Uh they'll scream if something happens. So your brain just goes, right, that's it. I can chill yeah. out, chill out.
1: Relax. Um You've, you've mentioned quite a few things actually about like ways to improve sleep. We wondered whether you had any surefire—you know, this is how you definitely, what you definitely want to do to improve well, your night's sleep. Like yeah, I mean, the thing
2: is, there's been thousands and thousands of sleep tips out there, and the vast majority of them are just nonsense. Um, you need three things to get a good night's sleep. One is a bedroom conducive to sleep. So dark, quiet, cool, comfortable. Dark, well, we talked about light. Um, Cool, around 16 to 18 degrees, because in order to get a good night's sleep, you have to lose one degree of body temperature. You lose that out of your head. And face because they're the big fleshy thing that sticks out from under the duvet. So, you need a temperature gradient. The bedroom needs to be cool, the bed needs to be warm. Um, So, I say around 16 to 18 degrees for the bedroom um, and then uh, quiet. Uh, So, the World Health Organization says around 40 decibels, um, which is roughly a quiet conversation in a library. A snorer is 65 to 95 decibels, so get rid of the snorer, essentially. So that's it, a bedroom conducive to sleep. Um, Relaxed body, but you know that you can be absolutely physically exhausted and still not fall asleep. Why? Because your mind's racing. Mm -hmm. The mind is whirring around and around with your cares and your worries. So the absolute prerequisite for sleep is a quiet mind. Now, you might say, how do you quieten your mind? I have no idea. I know what I do. I read every night. Uh, But I'm not saying that you need to read. You uh, you caramel tea, uh, yoga, mindfulness, listening to Pink Floyd really loudly. I don't care what you do. What I do care about is you do something. So put your cares and worries to bed long before you get into bed. And if you have a relaxed body a quiet mind, and a comfortable bedroom, you will fall asleep. We've been doing it for a million years. (laughs) Falling asleep is as easy as falling off a log. We've just made it vastly more complex. There are plenty of people who will sell you gadgets and lotions and potions and this and that to help you sleep. You don't need it. Quiet A relaxed body, quiet mind, comfortable bedroom is as simple as that.
0: I like that. And so as soon as you're talking about um, things to then help you fall asleep, what's the most ridiculous myths or things that you've heard in people saying this will absolutely help you fall asleep and you know it's categorical?
2: Well, I, mean, you know, I, mean, I mean, the funny ones that I like are things like, you know, an untidy bedroom will keep you awake because you're worried about the clutter. <laughs> really? Your life is that perfect that you're you know or paint your bedroom a particular color why it's dark and you've got your eyes closed (laughs) Uh, you know eat a a banana before bed well this is based on the idea that tryptophan goes to serotonin which goes to melatonin where there's no proof that eating foods rich in tryptophan help you sleep but you'll see it in all the books saying eat a banana before bed now Personally, I hate bananas at any time of day or night, but a banana before bed just sounds a bit weird. But actually, if you wanted to get tryptophan, which it won't work, but if you want to get tryptophan, a turkey sandwich has more tryptophan than a banana. So why aren't people saying eat a turkey sandwich? Uh, And then there's this this, um, puritanism, you know, don't drink coffee after midday. Any alcohol will disturb sleep. No, it won't. You need to drink quite a bit of alcohol for it to disturb your sleep. A sh- small sherry or a glass of wine or whiskey before bed's never done anybody any harm. The okay. thing is, oh, just as a particular sportswear company would say, just do it. <laughs> but my, my favorite one, uh, and this goes this goes right back to what we were talking about right at the start about animals, um, was one that uh, a hostel in the north of England put out. Uh, And it said, have a dark, cool bedroom. Now, I've just told you that that's what you need. Mm -hmm. So you might think, well, why is he mentioning it? They then go on to say, like a cave, because bats sleep in caves and they sleep for 18 hours. Yeah, but they also sleep hanging upside down. (laughs) So which bit of that am I meant to sort of take home in me? So again, as I say, this is it. This is the, 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 you know, you read these uh, top 10 tips about getting to sleep and they're just bizarre, you know, and it's just because people want to be saying something new and you don't get rich selling common sense. Believe me, I know, (laughs) I really know you don't get rich selling common sense. People want something, you know, a a, a bit esoteric uh, rather than just, as I say, the simple three rules I gave you earlier. No, keep it nice and simple like that. Um, Talking of crazy
1: ways about falling asleep, Ollie's got a story he'd like to tell you or see if you know about it, but I'm going to let Ollie do it because (laughs) this is his story that he found out.
0: Well, it, it was about Bud Winter and the um the falling asleep in two minutes yes ah. and that, yes. that that technique and just how he was saying well I thought it might be that the six-week practice that people did and having that as a routine and almost sending themselves off to sleep was due to the the practice that they did with it but I just wondered what your thoughts are on that yeah. minutes two minutes using that bud winter hack
2: yeah I, I mean essentially if you were to ask a sleep expert um i've got a patient who falls asleep in 2 minutes they would be worried about the patient okay um because it should take you a bit longer to fall asleep yeah this is it i mean because every time this bud winter thing is 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 uh, um talked about it's always the technique to fall asleep within 2 minutes uh, and it never mentions the training yeah. uh, it never mentions that these are us military people that you can tell what to do you can command them to behave yeah. uh, and this this has been dragged up i mean bud winter wrote this in a book uh, and uh, uh, behind me i mean there's uh, 366 sleep books which i've just bought this year in lockdown my total library is around two hundred, two and a half thousand two and a half thousand sleep wow. books. i have pretty much i have more sleep books than anybody else on the planet um, yeah. And I can't get a copy of Bud Winter's book. Uh, It's just unavailable. So people have have heard of this, and they've now created this urban myth that you can fall asleep in two minutes. I have found a recording of somebody reading the book, so I now know what it says. And this bit goes on and on and on, but he's never sold it himself as a a sleep thing. It's just how he... He's training these guys, and he, he's he's an athletics trainer. Yes. So he, he's not he's not said, oh, look, I'm a sleep guru. I've invented this way of getting people. He's saying that if you train and train and train, you can achieve things. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, uh, I don't believe you could fall asleep in two minutes, but I think that the things he's saying will certainly help you get to sleep. But as I say, anything that puts you to sleep in two minutes is – Not a good idea, to be (laughs) honest. There used to be a drug um, (coughs) that was called the pyjama drug because it was a sleeping tablet, and elderly people would take it uh, downstairs uh, you know with a glass of water and um, fall asleep at the bottom of the stairs Blimey. and they would find it was that quick acting then they fell asleep before they got up the stairs it's not a good thing to fall asleep that quickly no, and then there's this uh, four seven eight breathing Andrew Viles idea that you can fall asleep in 60 seconds if you breathe in for four seconds hold it for seven and breathe out for eight seconds well try it when you've got a minute it only takes sixty seconds to prove uh, it's complete nonsense. Yes. Yeah, uh, don't overclaim. You yes. know, there's a lot of sleep books yeah. for you. Know, how to learn to sleep in six weeks? Fine. How to sleep in a month? Fine. How to sleep in a week? No, you've mm. overclaimed. You can't do it. Um, so there's, there's, there's this sort of arms race of how quickly you can promise people to fall asleep. So, to just
0: say, then to, to Liam, so I wasn't completely off whack <laughs> co- coming up with that story, but I completely take on board what you're saying, Neil. That it's with a <laughs> and it's the the practice bit, and it's the military people who maybe are more yeah. susceptible to being told what to do.
1: Um, just one more, I guess, from me. Um, we, we you mentioned earlier about um, dreams, and we don't really know why we dream. Um, We've both got children and at times I've had to deal with like night terrors and things like that. Like, do we, do we know why that happens or anything about it?
2: Okay, so there are two different things. There are nightmares and there are night terrors. Now, nightmares are simply scary dreams. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in a dream there's a story, and if you wake up you'll remember some of that stories. And your dreams can appear to be real. You've woken up with your heart pounding, sweating, breathing heavily because you feel you've exerted yourself. Well, for a child, they they could wake up and say, Daddy, Daddy, I'm being chased by dinosaurs, and you switch the light on and say, Look, there were no dinosaurs, and the child goes, Okay, fine, I go back to sleep. Now, a night terror is uh, happens in our deepest sleep, and it's a parasomnia, and it's related to things like sleepwalking and sleep talking. So what happens, they're known as partial arousal disorders. So when you're asleep, uh, some parts of the brain can be awake, whilst other parts of the brain can be completely asleep. So when you're in deep sleep, the conscious part of the brain is very, very deeply asleep, but other bits of the brain can wake up. And if it's the bit that controls locomotion, you walk. If it's the bit that controls speech, okay. you talk. Now, in a night terror, it's the bit that controls fear. So and a child having a night terror looks like they are scared, they're distressed, they may be screaming, they may be crying, they may be thrashing about, mm-hmm. but there's no story. They're not scared of anything. So, if if a child is having a night terror, the thing to do is just make sure they're safe, wait for it to pass, and then they'll just resume sleep. And in the morning, they will have no remembrance of this event because there is no story. What makes night terrors bad for the child is when the parent goes, Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what's wrong with you? And the child's going, What are you talking about? Yeah uh, yeah. And you go, well, it's the dinosaurs again. And the child's going, No, <laughs> not <laughs> the dinosaurs, but you've just admitted the dinosaurs exist, so I'm a bit worried now. Yeah, That's the problem. It's the parental reaction to the night terror, which is the problem. The child is blissfully unaware. Now it may it's heartbreaking to watch a child have a night terror because you think it really must be completely you know distressed but no they have no remembrance of it at all so just make sure they're safe leave them and they'll settle back down
0: and sort of along this similar line then is does that if parts of the brain are waking up does that sort of explain why you sometimes or people will experience a
2: sensation of falling and then feel like (sighs) they jolt Oh, it's a, it's a sensation of falling. It, 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 it's a hypnic jerk. These happen as you fall asleep and as you wake up. Well, hypnic or hypnopopic means when you're falling asleep. Sorry, hypnagogic means when you're falling asleep. Hypnopopic means as you wake up. Essentially, what's happening here is you're having, you, you know, when, you, I don't know if you're use, using Windows, but it, you know, not up until not too long ago, when you shut down a Windows machine, it said, ccv.host.exe refuses to shut down you think i've no idea what that is but why is it refuse? things just go out you, know, you get glitches okay um and hypnagogic uh jerks are the same what's happening when you get into your bed you feel the pillow you feel the mattress you feel the duvet you feel your body but you don't feel them when you're asleep you're completely unaware of your mattress yeah. so at some point your brain goes right we're not feeling the mattress anymore and another part of the brain goes "But if i don't feel the mattress uh, gravity is going yeah. to rather cause it me to fall focused. down um and and i i genuinely have never had that feeling i i you know as a sleep expert i you know i monitor not you know i, I reflect but i've never had that feeling but i did but there are other things when you, other events can occur. You can sometimes, as you're falling asleep, be aware of a presence in the room. Okay. It's not clear. It's human, but it's not clear. And it's not a threat. It's just you have this idea. You can hear sounds. Different sounds can occur. I had a, a, a patient once. Every time she fell asleep, she screamed. Uh, which was annoying both for her and for her boyfriend. Um, mm. So, so the, the, you can have these just these little glitches because, as you can imagine, it's not just like turning a light nice. switch off. It's really quite a complex process to go from being aware of everything to shutting down, <clears throat> you know, heart rate drops, blood pressure drops. You stop producing saliva. Um, you know, you, you, you lose your vision um and those sorts of things uh, there's so much that needs to happen for you to have a restful sleep and it just sometimes glitches happen they happen more frequently in children because children's brains are still developing and therefore more of these things happen this is why children sleep walk more sleep talk more and have other behavioral problems during the night
1: amazingly interesting it is I, I like it, that. so your absolutely. brain basically thinks you're floating and then you're about to hit the ground
2: yeah, absolutely, and and that's it. You because you 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 have to at some point commit fully to the idea. I'm not lying on a lumpy mattress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I'm going to sleep, I have to forget the lumpy mattress. Amazing,
0: Neil. I think that's probably a, a sensible place for us to. <laughs> thank you very much for your time. It's been yeah. incredible talking with you and filling in some of those gaps and just correcting us on a, a few things that we said earlier on in the week. It's been Absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk with us.
2: It's been a great pleasure. Thank you.
0: Wow, Liam. How interesting was that
1: talking with Neil? How can we say that after every interview? Don't read how interesting was that, but that is proper interesting. It's brilliant. Uh, yeah, it turns out we were wrong about the blue light. Well, uh, we're only uh, we're only 20 years behind. Yeah, so apologies if everybody's like taken that as the most important thing out of our episode. <laughs> Well, what he did say about blue light but it comes from everything and it's just not as basically all light yeah um and your story the world's longest two guys one topic takeaway turns out that's sort of true
0: <laughs> exactly and who who knew about the super kinetic nuclei
1: do you, do you know what a geek alert, i actually had that written down in my notes when we recorded the episode and i just didn't mention it oh really you should have yeah. done Maybe I'll screen grab that just to show everybody. I'm, I think we need to get a post up immediately about the, su- the, the superpower nap. So a can a Red Bull and then go to sleep. And then the Red Bull will wake you up before you hit the deep sleep. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> nice.
0: So, yeah, that, that, that wraps up the topic expert interview for sleep. Dr. Neil Stanley, um, he does have a book out called How to Sleep Well which if anyone wants to check out, they can get it at Amazon or all good bookshops. Um, yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, new pod drops Tuesday. See you later.